0: Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck.
1: What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 55 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. And my guest today is no stranger to old school Ring of Honor fans, nor to fans of promotions such as Evolve, shimmer and dragon gate u s a to name a few he is former ring of honor commentator lenny Leonard. Lenny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited, yeah, it's great. i, I love talking to the uh, you know the old school r o h guys guys that were around way before I ever uh, came into the scenes uh, in in Ring of honor. so I love hearing about uh, you know the the old days and some of the old stories. Uh, well, and we'll I get just Go ahead. I just hope my, I was going to say, I hope my memory holds up.
0: <laughs> it's been well, 12 years since my last ROH show.
1: Well, exactly. That's what I was going to, you know, obviously, first thing we're going to talk about um, is, uh, yeah, it's been since what, two, you were here from 2005 to 2009, if my, my research is correct. That's is that correct. Right? Okay. Yes. Well, we've got some exciting news to talk about that we're going to uh, break today. Obviously, it's, it's regarding you. Uh, but b- before we get to that. I just, you know, have to talk about the past year and really the past 13 months. Uh, It's been crazy, obviously, for everybody. Uh, What's it been like for you? I mean, since uh, last March, I guess, basically, is when everything really heated up with this pandemic. Uh, Have you been able to avoid the virus? Has it affected your work life?
0: Like, what have the past 13 months been like? You know, I've been really, really lucky, and I, I Really thank every day how lucky i've been and my family has been um, to not have been impacted by covid the way so many other people have been negatively impacted uh, i my, not a lot of people know my regular my regular place of work is j p morgan chase i'm a division leader I run the executive office for uh, the auto and student lending business here in Tampa and they were great about getting in front of the whole COVID situation. And they sent everyone home quickly. Um, It was literally the first week in March. I was preparing to go on vacation uh, with the kids and the wife on a spring break trip we had planned. And they were like, you're going to need to cancel. You know, there's some stuff going on. We're getting worried. And so before I even had the chance to try and cancel, fortunately my cruise company canceled for me. So I was able to kind of, Recoup the funds from that. There was no impact there. And then Chase was like, Well, we're going to start sending some people home. And within 24 hours, it was like, That's it. Everyone's going home tomorrow. Like, they wasted no time. Um, so I've been able to work from home since the first week in March of last year. Never lost a paycheck. Never had to, you know, go through what so many other people are going through. So from that aspect, super lucky. My family has taken it very seriously. We've cut down on pretty much everything you need to cut down on to stay safe. We've managed to avoid it. And my wife and I just got our second dose of the Pfizer vaccine on Saturday. So for us, fortunately, there is some uh, light at the end of the tunnel in a couple of weeks coming our way. So I'm pretty, uh, I've been, I've been blessed from that aspect for sure. Uh, Well, that's great news. Uh,
1: Definitely great news. And I got you know, (laughs) it's funny because I work from home uh, anyway, right? So I was working from home even before the pandemic. Uh, So it really wasn't that big of a change for me as far as work goes. And like you, I was also very, very fortunate. um, Didn't miss a paycheck or anything like that. And luckily, my wife has a job. She's a nurse. Uh, She didn't miss a paycheck either. Of course, the other side of that was she was on the front lines there with, you know, treating COVID patients. But, you know, uh, everything's all good on that front as well. My thought, though, was now that everyone has seen that you can really work from home and you don't necessarily have to all be gathered in an office together. It's just, I mean, is there any going back? Like, I feel like this is like the new normal, right? Like, I mean, there's no need, I guess, other than feeling the need to get out of your house and maybe socialize
0: with your coworkers. Uh, we could do this from home. Yeah. It, it's kind of a double-edged sword though. It's challenging um when you manage people which i do so i have uh, a number of direct reports that i'm responsible for and when you're not all in the same place there there are some challenges with that but fortunately through technological advances and using zoom and uh be able to still have those face-to-face meetings every day so it's made it a lot easier now i know my wife would prefer me to be out of the house because she does work from home regularly like yourself so this has impacted her in that she's had myself and our two kids home uh every day for the last year and she's had it. Like she's ready (laughs) for all of us to just get out and go back to work. The kids were already back to school, thank goodness. They were the first to go. But it I would say not a week goes by that she doesn't ask me if my job's decided to send me back to the office yet. I think she she wants her normal back. And as long as as long as I'm still here every day, it's never gonna be normal for her. (laughs) Uh, but I, I think at some point, yeah, we're going to go back, but I think Uh, Chase, at least, is looking into maybe giving us a little more flexibility regarding being able to work from home when, you know, situations may arise, because my team, at least for sure, we've shown that there's been zero drop off in productivity, or quality of our work in the entire time we've been gone. If you look strictly from a statistical standpoint and metrics and our numbers, there's no difference. You couldn't tell where we were. So for at least for my team, I think I'm gonna be lucky in that we may have a little more flexibility in the future. There are some other functions that they just, they need to be in the building, they need to be in the office, like especially in a business like Chase, when you're dealing with branches and customers that need that face-to-face interaction, it's a little more difficult in that aspect. But I think certainly most businesses are going to be able to identify some areas that, you know what, maybe we can save some money and uh, help maybe contribute to some other folks quality of life by giving them the ability to do this stuff from home. So that's the hope anyway.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned kids. I have uh, two kids myself and um, one thing that they lost is, uh, is, is the schools have now figured out that you don't need to have snow days anymore. (laughs) <laughs> now that this, Well, I guess you don't have to worry about that really in Tampa, but here on the East coast, uh, you know, Hey, it's great. You get a snow. Well, you grew up in New York, so, you know, you know, yes. a snow day was the greatest thing in the world, but now that they've gone virtual uh, and my kids are back in school now as well, but this winter when there was a snow day, yeah, you don't have to come in, but guess what? You're doing virtual. So there's no more snow days.
0: So that's yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, another- uh, log in from log in from home. You don't need to, even like, if you don't feel well, I let my son last week, Uh, for two days. He's like, I really don't feel well. I don't want to go in. I'm like, that's fine. Just log in from home. So he, he was able to virtually log in and not miss any time, which was, which was great. That's something that, you know, I would have loved back in the day, but you know, computers were barely a thing in my day. So no such
1: I'm with you on that. Well, tell
0: me what else are you doing these days as far as, uh, as pro wrestling is concerned? So I have really dialed it back uh, since COVID happened, some by my choice and some out of my control. The the out of my control piece was obviously the big one is Evolve was purchased by WWE. So once that sale went through, that was really the big chunk of my schedule, um, pretty much out the window. Also, I was doing Dragon Gate in Japan the last year and a half before COVID, and Covid kind of wrecked that too. You cannot get into Japan almost at all at this point. There are very few exceptions, uh, and the process is extremely difficult. So, um, Dragon Gate's kind of put everything as far as English commentary with me on hold. So that was the majority of what I was doing. There was some, I did some stuff down here with Shine uh, Women's Wrestling as well, and Shimmer, which Dave Prezak has decided to pretty much put on hold for the time being as well. Um, I had an opportunity to call the collective show, a couple of the shows at the collective uh, that Joey Janella ran in Indianapolis back in October. I was super careful doing those shows. I literally uh, flew in the day of the show. I got my own room. I got my own car. Uh, I was masked up because I hadn't been vaccinated. I got to the building an hour before showtime. Uh, I said, what do you need me to talk about? What do I need to get over? And then I went and hid by myself called the shows, said PayPal me, got in the car, went home. Uh, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't stick around and and try to, it was just very different Uh, because last October, there was still so much that was unknown and when was the vaccine going to happen? And it was just, it it was a very, I, I was glad I did it because it was good to have that sense of normalcy, at least a little bit. Um, But it was also nerve wracking in that I'm getting tested before I'm getting tested after I'm worried about did I get something on the plane and it's just, it was just very stressful. And so at that point, I kind of made the decision to pull the plug on pretty much everything, which really was disappointing, especially with mania being right here. Uh, this year, I was going to have an opportunity to do a lot of stuff down here as well. Again, I got asked, uh, in February to do some things at spring break with GCW and a couple of other folks as well. And I just, I was not comfortable yet because I hadn't been vaccinated. I just, I, Florida is the wild, wild West when it comes to, uh, COVID acceptance and, you know preparation there it's been wide open for a very long time uh and there're just too many folks down here that just don't take it seriously enough for my for my comfort level so i made the difficult decision again to say you know what I, as much as i really uh would love to be a part of some of these events i just i can't do it uh and and it was it, it was really driven home by the day after i had made the call uh, to to pass on the opportunities, there had been an event down here a couple of weeks before that, in February, where a number of local people that I am very very close with worked the event, contracted COVID, and one of them ended up passing away for it within two weeks. Oh, um, and and that was literally the day before I had gotten asked to do those shows, and it was assigned to me stay the hell away from wrestling. Don't do it. It's just not, it's not worth it. Um, And again, fortunately for me, and and this is not me, um, you know, preaching to the guys and girls that do this every day for their living. It's how they feed their families, how they pay their rent. If you're being careful and you're comfortable taking that, that risk, then God bless you. Go do what you got to do. Just be careful and please don't get sick. Um, I'm not, I'm not against anybody running shows. I'm not against anybody working shows. Everyone's a grown-up. They have a level of responsibility to themselves and others that they are willing to uh, take on some kind of a risk. That that's I, I don't judge anybody for that. Um, not everyone is taking the lengths of precaution that Ring of Honor is taken. And I really credit what credit's due to the company. Um, I think they've really done a good job of setting the example of the right way uh, to continue putting on shows uh, in this situation that we're in. But at that point, once I had gotten the news that my friend had passed away, that it was just a, it was a slam dunk for me, that there was just nothing I was going to do to put my, my regular job that does pay my bills at risk. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't justify it to myself or to my family.
1: Yeah, I I totally understand that. And I, and I you know, I think, as you said, I think you expressed it very well that ultimately it's, personal responsibility and whenever, whatever anyone feels comfortable doing um, you know, like you said, like God bless them and and let them do their thing, but we can only do us as individuals. We can only do what makes us feel comfortable as well. And I think you mentioned ring of honor and I think, you know, it was really hard when we stopped running shows for five months um, to, to make that decision. But obviously it was, it was the right decision to be cautious. It was the right decision to when we decide to come back to work so closely with the Maryland State Athletic Commission and have these strict uh, protocols but certainly as someone who uh you know loves being around the business and loves being at live shows i haven't personally been at a show since february of 2020 so um you know i'm dying to get back out there and see uh, and see a live event again so hopefully hopefully we're turning a corner and uh and we can get there and and people you know that aren't taking it seriously. uh, Hopefully they will, the the light will come on and uh, you know, or else we're never going to get out of the woods on this. And um, that's all I'm going to say about it. We don't want to, you know, preach or anything like that, but hopefully we're moving in the right direction. But let's talk about now. I I said at the beginning of the show that we have some, uh, some big news some breaking news regarding yourself. Um, As we said, you were in ring of honor from 2005 to 2009. So it's been 12 years uh, since you've been uh, in Ring of Honor to call a match, but that streak is ending. Uh, you are returning to call the ROH Women's World Title Tournament this summer. So first of all, uh, congratulations on that, and welcome back. Um, and tell
0: us how did this how did this opportunity uh, come about? First, thank you so much to everybody uh, at ROH for you know the opportunity uh there's uh, there's always the you know the old feeling you know can you ever go home again and i think uh, i think the shows you can that uh, you never say never in wrestling right I, I i don't think i left the wrong way uh when when everything happened in 2009 there wasn't any kind of a a blow up or fight between me and the folks in charge at that time it was just a a shift in priorities as the company kind of moved away from the DVD business model and how it was producing content to uh, a more television-based company when they made the move to HDNet. Part of that move was that Mike hogglewood had to be involved in the process, uh, so it really left room only for you know one other person in the booth, and they made the decision to go with Dave prazak which I would never begrudge Dave anything. He is one of my best friends uh, in wrestling to this day. Um, and and it's just one of those things that happened and for me it was right around the same time that Dragon Gate USA and Evolve was starting. Uh, It was people who had been familiar with my work from Ring of Honor that I worked closely with that were kind of spearheading that project and it all just kind of fell into place and you know the road I was traveling kind of came to a fork and and that's kind of the way life is and things happen and You know, I I never held any ill will towards Ring of Honor as as to making the decision they made or uh, questioning, you know, why not me? It's just sometimes that's, you can't, you can only control what you can control, right? And that's something that was, that decision was out of my control. So I can't get angry about it or upset about it. It's just what's next. And uh, I I wouldn't trade how I ended up for anything in the world. I got to do uh, a lot of great stuff on the path that i ended up on and, and roh ended up doing great things as well in the way they went and every and it's one of those situations that worked out well for everybody right um but women's wrestling has always held uh and i don't even like using the term women's wrestling because it's wrestling right. um it, it's it's wrestling that happens to be performed by women um but w- women's wrestling for lack of a better term has always held uh a really special place in my heart uh i grew up you know, watching Japan tapes and, and being super excited about uh, Japanese women wrestling, and I always wondered why that never translated to the U.S. scene, and then becoming friends with Dave and watching what he did with Shimmer over the years, and having the opportunity to work there, and then in Shine here down in Florida, and seeing so many of the women that now spearhead that uh, women's revolution that's been talked about in wrestling over the last few years, uh, I've been fortunate to have a front seat for a lot of it, and I think with Uh, ROH getting ready to you know re-energize their women's division this year and uh, Maria Canellas Bennett being on the board and deciding to uh, make this tournament a big deal they wanted to do something a little bit different and and they asked me if I was interested in working with the broadcast team and uh, I am I've known Caprice from his time back in in his independent wrestling days before his ring of Honor career and uh Ian and I share a, a special bond and that we both are one of the few peoples that do that have done the job he's doing now. Um, so we've developed the friendship over the years through social media. And when the opportunity was presented, if I would be interested in coming in to, uh, be a part of this, uh, I was, I couldn't say yes fast enough.
1: Well, you know, you talk about women's wrestling and, um, I, and I totally hear what you're saying about it. it's just wrestling happens to have female competitors, but for the sake of, of the discussion, women's wrestling, um, obviously we've seen it promoted for many years in different companies where it was much more about eye candy than it was about the actual in-ring ability. And Ring of Honor always, you know, back during your time, certainly it was presented as serious athletes, serious competition. I mean, you got to call matches involving people like Sarah Del Rey and Awesome Kong and Mischief and Serena Deeb, and Allison Danger, and I could name Lacey, Daisy Hayes, I could name so many. Um, And it was always promoted uh, differently than you would see it in in other companies. And it's funny, when people talk about the women's revolution in WWE, it really wasn't a revolution. I mean, the revolution had started years before. It was WWE just finally, um, I mean, they came to the party pretty late, I think, in realizing that there's a different way. You know, you can promote you can promote women. So, um, what do you remember? I guess are there any matches or moments that stand out from back in those days um, in Ring of Honor with with some of those female athletes that I that I just mentioned?
0: It's it's always hard when you when you look back that far to think of specific individual matches, but I, I I always just remember the talent and the skill level of the women that you know got to wrestle in ring of honor. It it wasn't just a throwaway match. It was, it was presented no differently than when Sarah Del Rey came through the curtain. She was presented as a serious wrestler, the same way as Samoa Joe, the same way as Brian Danielson as Roderick strong or whoever it was. There was no, Hey, here's a match where you guys can get up and go to the bathroom or you guys can get up and have popcorn, when when Sarah Del Rey is on your television screen, or when Sarah Del Rey is in the ring in front of you, or Lacey, or Rain or Allison Danger, uh, who's one of my just very best friends in the world, uh, when when those people are performing, you stop and you watch, because they are that talented. They man, woman, child, it doesn't matter. They are excellent at what they do. They are professional wrestlers, and I would. Uh, sarah del rey during the time when i was lucky enough to call uh her matches i had always talked about she's somebody that if i wasn't getting paid to watch her wrestle i would pay to watch her wrestle like that's how good she was um and it was just it, it was refreshing like i said WWE was a little late uh to the party and they get the credit because they you know have the biggest platform and they make the most noise and and I'm just happy for the women that they're giving that opportunity to finally, uh, after all these years, because so many of them came through the doors of shimmer of ring of honor. Uh, and Dave Prezak is going to go down, excuse me, as the most underappreciated, uh, reason for the women's revolution in pro wrestling. If there is no shimmer, none of this is happening. I totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And, and you know, I think, um, WWE kind of had no choice at that point, um, because the fans were spe- you know, the fans had, had seen enough of the way it was before and, uh, and they kind of pushed them into, uh, doing what they're doing, but, you know, whatever the reasons were now, uh, you know, WWE has, they are promoting their women, uh, the way I think, you know, you would, you would like to see it done. And, uh, and it's pretty much, you know, it's, uh, it's industry wide right now that, um, if if you're if you're a woman and you want to get into this business and be taken seriously and be an athlete, um, you can do that now and and work anywhere. And so that's obviously that is a revolution in a sense. And that is great news. And I know that in Ring of Honor, uh, you know, sometimes we went years without really doing uh, a lot with uh, women's wrestling. But I know that there's sort of a, a renewed commitment and it really it's going to start again with uh, with this tournament. Uh, no participants have been announced yet, but um, I think a lot of people are looking forward to it. Uh, have you started yet? Uh, because it is coming up this summer. Um, to do any any preparation. Again, no, no no names have been made public as far as competitors. Uh, but have you started doing any preparation
0: yet for the tournament? You know, I want to, but as you mentioned, not, not only have been no names mentioned. Uh, externally there haven't been any mentioned internally either yeah, I so maybe I, you had, you I have yet <laughs> no I, I wish I, I, I've been I am a and I don't know if anybody ever followed me back on social media um, but I am I was notorious for having a giant binder uh, <laughs> when I worked in Evolve I literally had the results of all 146 I think or seven I forget the last number that I finally ended at of every Evolve show that I called I had the results literally in a binder that I would take with me and use them to prepare uh, for, for every single Evolve weekend. And I, I was ready to start jotting notes and stuff down. And, and the only thing I could get, and I'll give credit to Maria Canales Bennett. She can keep a secret. Let me tell you, even, even enticing me to come back, I couldn't get it out of her. All I know is that they are going to be bringing in some great new talent for the division. And that was exciting to me because while a lot has been made of, uh, WWE and AEW going on uh, a signing spree across uh, the world of women's wrestling recently there is still a ton of untapped talent out there that people have just not been exposed to on a scale like this and I'm hoping that this tournament is gonna make some headlines with some of these women that folks haven't been exposed to yet getting an opportunity on a platform like this so I'm, I'm excited um, I know when it's time to prepare I'll, I'll have the information i need to get it done but yeah i'm i'm ready to go i i i'd, I'd be taking notes today if i could
1: yeah and i think you're right there's uh there, there's going to be a lot of i think new faces uh participating in the women's division and and in this tournament uh we should uh, make make it everyone aware that women's division wednesday uh is something that you can check out on roh's youtube channel every wednesday at 7 p.m eastern there will be a new women's match. Uh, uploaded to YouTube and you'll basically see some new faces and, and some familiar faces, but with no spots in the tournament having uh, been announced yet, uh, women here will get to a chance to show like that they deserve to be in the tournament.
0: So yeah, yeah. uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say it's a huge opportunity every single Wednesday night for, for women to, you know, impress the people they need to impress to get a spot in this tournament. And then like, You know, you've seen it in the NCAA. You just got to get in the tournament, and then anything can happen once you're in. So uh, these matches on Wednesday night are going to be potentially enormous opportunities for some women, and we're going to see who's really ready to step up and grab that opportunity.
1: Right. I think we should also announce that uh, there is one woman, I guess, who has been sort of made official for the tournament, and that is Angelina Love. As we found out at the 19th anniversary show, Maria Canellas bennett basically said, uh, well, not basically, she did say that if uh, Angelina beats Quinn McKay in their match, which is uh, coming up on Ring of Honor television on uh, May 8th, the weekend of May 8th, that if Angelina wins that match, she will get a first round bye. Uh, so we know that Angelina, obviously seven-time former women's world champion, she is in the tournament uh, and now has an opportunity to uh, bypass the first round right into the second round if she beats Quinn. So that, that's also worth bearing, uh, a look, taking a look at. And I guess for Quinn, uh, she needs to win that match probably to get into the tournament. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot, of, lot at stake here. Uh, no spots are guaranteed. Like we said, maybe one for Angelina. But Women's Division Wednesday is going to go a long way um, in determining who gets in that tournament. And regardless of who gets in, I know it's going uh, to be quite a competitive field.
0: And, uh, you know, definitely looking forward to it. Let me ask you this, though. Sort of. I, I was, I was going to uh, say before you move on, I, yeah. I, for one, I'm hoping that Angelina Love is not taking Quinn lightly. Because I, I don't know if, if people are following Quinn on social media the last few weeks. I have seen the pictures that this young woman is posting of herself in the gym. She is in insane condition heading into this matchup. And if Angelina Love is taking Quinn lightly, all I'm going to say is another announcer in wrestling was taken lightly once before. And his name was Joey Styles, (laughs) And he knocked out, he knocked out a wrestler. Yes, he did. And I'll, I'll let him remain nameless to protect his ego, which is very fragile from what I understand. Joey Styles knocked out somebody who took him lightly. So don't, don't look down on Quinn McKay just because she's an announcer. Okay. Angelina Love may have more coming than she's prepared for.
1: Well, it's funny you should bring that up, because this has been a little bit of a point of contention between Quinn and I. Uh, Because, you know, it's no secret that Quinn was training at the dojo, uh, the Ring of Honor dojo, and has had very limited uh, experience on the independent scene. So she has been in a ring before. She has trained before. But I just think when you're looking at someone with Quinn's experience level against someone like Angelina Love, 20-year veteran, Seven-time world champion. Uh, she's bigger than Quinn. Okay, she's she's certainly meaner and nastier, uh, stronger. You know, I had said that she's also stronger, and Quinn took exception to that and posted a photo on uh, on Twitter of her at the gym with like this insane shoulder and bicep shot with all kinds of veins, you know, sticking out. So, hey, all credit to Quinn. She is training her ass off for this match. She's taking it seriously. And I will say this: maybe I have been guilty of underestimating her uh, to some extent, but I still feel like, man, that's an uphill climb uh, getting in the ring with Angelina Love, someone with her experience level. But time will tell. You know, we'll see. It's not that far away. May 8th, that match is going to happen on Ring of Honor television. We'll see how it goes. Maybe Quinn will surprise me. I don't know. Well, you know, for her sake. Um, well, you said for Angelina's sake. Hopefully, she's not taking it lightly. Well, hopefully, for Quinn's sake, she really, really knows. Uh, what she's stepping into the ring against. So, But either way, it's that's going to be a
0: can't-miss match. There's no question there, about that. There's nothing more dangerous than a person who has nothing to lose. That's true. Quinn has, Quinn has absolutely nothing to lose in this match. If she goes in there and Angelina wipes the mat with her, then guess what? A seven-time world champ is supposed to wipe the mat with someone who has the experience level of a Quinn McKay. But if Quinn McKay goes in there and shocks the world, then Angelina Love is going to have to look in the mirror for the rest of her life and know that she blew this opportunity against a Quinn McKay. And that's a huge deal. So I'll be interested to watch as well. I'm just concerned that Quinn
1: could end up really hurt. Like Angelina will not hesitate to not only win the match, but to make an example of Quinn McKay for challenging her. And that's been my biggest concern. I I like Quinn. Um, You know, she gets upset with me because I, it's really out of concern for her health, but you know, she takes it, she's insulted by it, but you know, I just hope she doesn't come out of this with a, you know, a broken arm or a broken leg or who knows what, what Angelina Love could do uh, you know, in a match against someone again with such limited experience, but there's no question that Quinn is in phenomenal shape. but on the other hand, I've seen a lot of people that are really in shape at the gym, and I'm not sure I'd want to see them step in the ring against a seven-time <laughs> former world champion. But time will tell. Uh, let me ask you this: just thoughts in general uh, on the Ring of Honor product. Uh, you know, again, you were there from 2005 to 2009, so uh, in you know some of the um, in some ways the glory days of that that time period. Um, ring of Honor has gone through ups and downs, and Changes of philosophy over the years since you've been um, doing other things, but it seems like after the the restart after we took five months off uh stopped doing shows, came back, there was sort of a uh, a recommitment uh, to pure wrestling and maybe the the spirit of what ring of honor was in a in a previous era uh, what what are, What are your
0: thoughts you know i I think you nailed it you know right on the head and, I, and i've always kept an eye. Uh, on Ring of Honor, not just out of, you know, sentimental reasons, because it's a place that I have so many fond memories of, but places that I had a place that I had a lot of friends that continued to work there long after I was gone and continue to work there now. Uh, and, and guys like Bobby Cruz and Todd Sinclair, and uh, we all go way back. We've been friends. So I, I really like that ROH took that time off to kind of look back introspectively and say, you know, what are we at our core, right? We are a pro wrestling company, that's what we do. The tagline has been, like I said, the best wrestling on the planet. So who, who do we best utilize to highlight that and to build around? And I think about um, the foundation for lack of, I mean, not for lack of a better term, it's a perfectly appropriate term uh, as four guys that I would build around if I was looking to build around pro wrestling a, as what I want to present or my vision of what this sport is, right? And Jonathan Gresham, a guy I had Ian Riccabani on my radio show here in Tampa uh recently, and he called Jonathan the best wrestler in the world. And I, I don't think you'd find a lot of people who would argue that right now. Uh, Jonathan is a 15-year overnight sensation. He's been this good for a long time, but this is the first time that he's gotten the ball and been told to run with it. And he's made the most of it. Uh, Hot Sauce Tracy Williams and I go way back in his pre ROH days. He was a mainstay in Evolve for years. He's a guy that I love to watch wrestle. Jay Lethal, Rhett Titus. You couldn't ask for four men to really create a foundation of if you wanted to present your company as pro wrestling. And there are so many uh, men and women that are going to get that opportunity uh, in the next few months to showcase why ring of honor is what they say they are the best wrestling on the planet
1: absolutely I I couldn't agree with you more on that and and you know specifically the foundation you look at those four guys yeah obviously you've got Jay Lethal the cornerstone the franchise of the company the guy who's held the ring of honor world championship longer than anybody the guy that's held the ring of honor world television championship longer than anybody but then the other three guys Really are guys that are incredibly talented, but to your point, never really fully got an opportunity to say, "Okay, go show what you can do." And uh, and now they're getting that that chance. I mean, Rhett's been in Ring of Honor for a long time, as you know, and um, you know for a lot of years, Rhett was kind of just overlooked and was an afterthought. And you know, Rhett's told his story. I mean, there was one point where after Rhett had already been a world tag team champion and had been at a certain level that he went back to like, you know, doing ring crew and things like that just to stay around. And so it's it's so gratifying to see him getting a chance again, wearing gold around his waist again. Uh, Gresham, like you said, always was everybody, you know, I think who, who followed him and knew anything about him knew how good he was, but to see him get that, that platform to go out and show how good you really are. To the point where, you know, I think his size was obviously maybe always one of the things holding him back. To now, nobody, nobody blinks when a guy Gresham, uh, Gresham size beats a guy Dak Draper's size. Because Gresham is just so damn good that the size doesn't, in this case, doesn't matter. Uh, and Tracy Williams as well. You know, when Tracy came in at the end of 2018, he came in as part of sort of a, uh, a rebuilding uh, process. Because we had just lost Cody and the Young Bucks and Hangman Page. He came in with guys like Brody King and PCO, uh, Mark Haskins, Roosh, Dragon Lee. And I think uh, Tracy kind of got overlooked in that whole, you know, that all all those guys coming in, he wasn't the headline. Uh, Some of those other guys were the headlines. And, hey, they've all done great. But Tracy has shown, once again, give me an opportunity, put me in the spotlight, and I'll show you what I can do. And I think Tracy's been such a revelation to a lot of people, not just what he can do in the ring, but Tracy is really good on the mic. And I don't think that's something a lot of people maybe even realized is that, you know, he he pretty much he and Gresham are getting a lot of the mic time, uh, in 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 the foundation, and you know they're knocking it out of the park, and
0: it just shows what can happen when you've got guys and girls that have something to prove, maybe a little chip on their shoulder, uh, and then they get an opportunity. And they make the most of it. And that's exactly what we're seeing here uh, with the foundation. And I include Jay Lethal in that too. Uh, Jay Lethal uh, has done it all, but it doesn't mean that there isn't still more for him to do. Jay Lethal uh, is in a lot of ways, I think, overlooked because of how long he's been in Ring of Honor. But there is still a lot of gas left in the tank for Jay. And I think this has kind of rejuvenated him being around these three guys who didn't have the opportunities that Jay has had for so long and are making the most of it. And I think it's kind of lit a bit of a fire under Jay, and that's pretty cool to see. It is. And you know what And
1: I think is great about Jay, and everyone will say this as well, is that he's so unselfish. Uh, And it's not just when he's working with somebody that he feels, you know, they could use this win more than I could, so let me put this guy over. Uh, He's obviously very unselfish in that to the point where I know there have been times when people have had to say, Jay, you can't lose every match. Like you still have to win sometimes. Uh, But with the foundation, he has been very happy to sort of stand behind Jonathan Gresham. And like I said, let Gresham do some of the talking, let Tracy do a lot of the talking red as well. Whereas Jay could have said, Hey, you know, if Jay had a huge ego, it could have been like, Hey, I'm Jay lethal. So, you know, if this is going to be the NWO uh, to use a, you know, a, a, a correlation I'm Hulk Hogan you know and you guys are going to stand behind me not the other way around and Jay hasn't done that at all it's all been it's all been like hey like this is a platform for all four of us but I'm already pretty much a made man this is your time this is your time guys and that's been great to see as well all right well, we're gonna we are gonna take our first break uh, this has been a uh, awesome conversation so far we've got a lot more to talk about with Lenny Leonard right after this
0: I'm Maynard the Maltmaker. I'm Mega the Bard. I'm Ander the Barbarian. I'm Santi the Bard.
2: And I'm Tia the Wizard. And if you want to see us try to attempt to rob a boat, check out Roleplay of Honour.
0: Join these stars and more for Roleplay of Honour.
1: All right, we are back on the ROH Strong podcast. My guest is former Ring of Honor commentator Lenny Leonard. As we announced uh, during the first segment, he is coming back for the Women's World, the ROH Women's World Title Tournament. I want to make sure I get all those words in the right order. Uh, coming this summer, so that's going to be exciting. He'll be joining Ian and Caprice on commentary for that. But let's let's tell the Lenny Leonard uh, origin story. Let's let's go back to the beginning. Uh, I know that you grew up in New York City, which was an old uh, traditional WWF territory. I think you and I are relatively close in age, so uh, we were watching around the same time. But uh, what what when did you first become a fan? What do you remember? Like your your first uh, first time you saw wrestling, or first time you went to a show?
0: First time I saw it, I remember it was mid '70s, Channel Nine, on a Saturday morning in New York City. And superstar Billy Graham was the WWWF champ at that point. And I was hooked immediately. Um, Couldn't tear me away on a Saturday from it at age five. Um, Grew up, like you said, watching mostly WWF. But by the time the early 80s rolled around and I was in my kind of preteen years, I discovered Uh, The magazines, first and foremost, uh, couldn't get to the newsstand on Tuesdays uh, fast enough for the after mags to come out. I would buy all of them uh, with my allowance, every single one that came out every month. And then I was able to find, by sneaking up and staying up late, on a Tuesday night at a Channel 47, a Spanish UHF station out of New Jersey used to play the bicycle tapes from Florida Championship Wrestling. And they would cut in with localized WWF interviews and plugs for local house shows and things like that. So at, 10, 11, 12, I was exposed even more than through the magazines to actually seeing guys like Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair and Blackjack Mulligan and Barry Windham. And I quickly became a much bigger fan of the NWA style of wrestling than of uh, the WWF at that point. Um, But did continue to watch and follow both. Uh, I had snuck in, not snuck in, but I had gotten into a few uh, local shows like house shows, spot shows at WWF when I was really young. Uh, and my first show at the garden, probably when I was 10 ish at say 81 around there. And it was one of those deals where they had the curfew and you had to be a certain age to get in. So I almost kind of had to sneak in back then. And I just have always been, uh, in love with it, but never, at any point in my life that I think I was going to end up involved in wrestling in any way, shape or form. That was uh, completely happenstance. Uh, one of those being in the, uh, being in the wrong place at the right time. I like to say, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, well, let's talk about that. How did, uh, because I think for so many people, it always is kind of a story like that, like wrong place, right time or, or whatever. It's like, it, it's such a hard, uh, especially back in those days, it was sort of a hard business to break into. And it really did take uh, a happenstance or having to know
0: someone or so.
1: How did it come about
0: for you? So I didn't get in until I was already in my 30s. I was a very late bloomer. So uh, I had moved to Florida and lived here for a while. I had been married, divorced, had a kid and was kind of just bouncing around jobs and stuff. And I found a local indie company in St. Pete, IPW Hardcore Wrestling that was run by Ron Nemi. We had met on the early days of social media and, and the internet and chat boards and, and message boards and things like that. And AOL Instant Messenger and kind of just became buddies. And I started going to his shows just kind of as a fan. Um, and it was there where I, uh, first became friends with a lot of guys in the Florida indie scene because I, I wasn't trying to get in. So that's why Ron actually took to me is that we were just buddies and I was just coming out to watch his stuff. Uh, and I would never, I was never nagging him to get involved. I never wanted to do anything like that. I had uh, been running a local rent to own business here at the time. And I used to help him push tickets. I put, flyers in the windows. I would hand out stuff to customers and get trying to get people to come to shows. I worked out a deal to get him a big screen TV to use as like a monitor in the building. Just little things like that with no expectation of anything in return. I was just helping out one of my friends who happened to own a wrestling company. Um, But I I began to meet guys like Scoot Andrews and Billy Fives and the Shane twins and Roderick strong and Eric Stevens, and Eric Stevens actually, and I used to sit in the crowd together before Eric Stevens started training, uh, and ended up in ring of honor. He used to sit in front of me in the same seat at every show. Um, And we just became friends. And then one night they got stuck for a ring announcer. Uh, The guy was a strip club DJ or something like that. And he couldn't make it. He was running late. And they were like, I don't know who can do this. Lenny, I need your help. I'm like, all right, what do you need me to do? Go announce the first couple of matches until this guy shows up. I'm like, I've never done this before. They're like, you've been watching wrestling for 25 years. Just say who they are and where they're from and get the hell out. I'm like, all right. So I did it three matches, no issues whatsoever. Two weeks later, again, he's running late. Same thing. Let he go help out two weeks after that. I'm like, you know what? Maybe this guy's not going to show up at all this time. Let me bring some nice clothes just in case. And I actually brought a suit with me and lo and behold, the guy, no calls, no shows. And I kind of took over as the ring announcer at that point for like NW, it was NWA Florida at that point. Um, So I did that for a little bit. And they used to have a local TV show here on UPN 44 um, at like two in the morning on on a Saturday night, Sunday morning. And it was the absolute worst. Like it was so bad. And I used to make fun of them all the time because the commentary was basically just an hour of inside jokes between Ron Neme and his booker. Who were doing the commentary? That yeah, they made me laugh because I knew what they were talking about because I was kind of in with them, but nobody else watching had any idea what ninety percent of what these guys were talking about meant. So it was really awful if you were trying to watch it as a fan. And I always used to make fun of him. And he was like, "Oh, you think you can do better?" I'm like, "I could not do worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- there's no chance I could be worse. I don't know if I'm going to be better, but I know I'm not going to be worse." Uh, but before I had the opportunity to to get in there, budget money problems, they canceled the TV show and it never happened. But they were still doing like VHS tapes and starting DVDs at that point. So they said, tell you what, we're doing the DVD of the last show. Come on out and you can do, you know, we'll try on commentary and see how it goes. I'm like, okay. Uh, So the show ended up being Rage in the Cage. And the, the whole premise behind this show was literally every person in the company Except for me, was in this match. It was like a thirty-man bring-your-own-weapon battle royal in a cage, and I was literally the only person not in the match. And they said, "Well, you're gonna have to do it solo, because everyone else is gonna be on the screen. So who else can do it with you?" I'm like, "Okay." So literally, the first match I ever called was a 35-minute battle royal, and I called it solo. Wow. And, and after that, they were like all right, I guess you can do it. And it kind of stuck, uh, which then led me to do some ring announcing for FIP, which had started as a bit of a sister company to Ring of Honor back when Gabe Sapolsky was booking. And Sal Hamaway was doing the DVD production for Ring of Honor. So I got to know Gabe. I got to know Dave Prazak at that time because he was doing the commentary with Mark Nolte. And Sal always immediately took, took an immediate liking to me and was pushing me to Gabe. Uh, to do stuff with FIP and commentary. Uh, Mark Nolte was kind of involved in both. So they were moving Mark Nolte out of FIP and moved me in with Dave to do commentary and FIP right around the time that Punk was getting ready to leave Ring of Honor. So Gabe was kind of doing commentary. Punk was doing a little bit of the commentary. Dave was doing a bit of the commentary. It was kind of a hodgepodge of guys at that point. And, Gabe was trying to get out of the get out of a commentary because it was just too much uh, to be booking the whole company, running social media stuff and everything that was involved with his job to do commentary also so he he kind of just gave me an opportunity to come in and do some stuff with f i p first, which kind of got my foot in the door uh, and then that led to the Ring of Honor opportunity where I think I called a couple of matches on. Uh, The Buffalo show that had one of the Hardys in the first appearance of the Dragon Gate guys on it, uh, which then led to maybe a half show next time. And then the full show, but maybe not the main event title match. And then after three, maybe four shows at that point, Gabe was comfortable enough with me to kind of get out completely and just leave it to me and Dave at that point. So uh, it was just kind of a weird happenstance of one opportunity leading to another uh, kind of just getting me where I ended up. So I, I'm just impressed by that 35-minute battle royal. So well, not if you heard it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, not I'm, if you heard it now. Okay. Well, the I cringe fact, now. I mean, that, that would be a challenge for a, a veteran announcer, uh, much less somebody I think kind of just being thrown into the fire. But you got through it, and obviously it led to other opportunities. So
0: couldn't have been that yeah. bad. No, it it, it it was fine for what it was. I was just super green, and I look back now because I actually think I have, after 17 years, a bit of an understanding as to what I'm supposed to do and how I should do it. So obviously, I look back now and I go, oh. Even, even my ROH stuff, I have not gone back and watched much of it over the years, but when I see clips of some things, I still cringe at uh, what I now see as huge opportunities to have been better. But it, I, I also recognize too, and this I guess is what you get when you, uh, you've you been around long enough, you kind of accumulate these little nuggets of wisdom along the way and that I never had anyone to teach me. That That I think is the big thing that guys now have a little bit more than I had back when I started. There were no announcing seminars. There were no... Um, hey, why don't you send me some stuff and I'll watch it for you and tell you what I think type situations back then. There was no one to learn from. I don't have a communications degree. I didn't study broadcasting in school. My background is in finance and banking. Um, I basically am just a guy who loves wrestling, paid attention to announcing uh, of all sports because I always loved you know, baseball, football, hockey, announcing. I grew up in New York and idolized Marv Albert as an announcer and guys like that. And so I always respected the skill involved in it, uh, but never thought I would do it. Um, And then really like, again, it was just learning trial by fire. It was just, you do it and you listen back. And well, that didn't work, what can I do better next time? And uh, I, I'd never been really produced ever uh, as an announcer for a very long time.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that uh, as far as being produced. But first, I was going to ask you about working with Dave Prezak, who we've mentioned. Uh, you guys were the voices of Ring of Honor. Uh, tell me about developing chemistry and, and sort of the style there, because it wasn't really, I guess people think of, okay, play-by-play
0: guy and color guy. Uh, those roles weren't really clearly defined, correct? Correct. We, we are both play-by-play guys at heart. So it was really more of a tennis match in that I would go, 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 go leave him an opening and he would jump right in and he would go, go, go and leave an opening and I would jump right in. And and I think that's part of when I go back and I watch it now that makes me cringe is we could have been so much more conversational than we were. Um, it was really two play-by-play guys doing both roles at the same time individually. So like I would make a a call of a move and talk about it a little bit. And then Dave would call the next move and talk about it a little bit. It, it wasn't, it, it was good for what it was at the time, but I think both of us now knowing what we know and how much better we've both gotten at it, I think it would have, it would sound much different today than it did then.
1: So let's talk though about being produced, uh, at least when you were in ring of honor, did you have uh, Gabe or someone in your ear sort of saying, you know, feeding you lines or feeding you sort of, uh, you know, direction of where to go? Or were you
0: pretty much just out there uh, on your own at that point? No, it was literally in our ear because we were doing this all in post-production at Sal's house, usually at like two in the morning. Okay. uh, After I had worked a full day at my shoot job uh, back then, showed up, grabbed some dinner, went to the house and then kind of sat there waiting for them to be done editing. And then we would just go and have to knock out those, have to knock out two shows in the meantime, while I had to be back at work by eight the next morning and both Dave and uh, Dave and Gabe usually had to be back on a plane before seven. So it was a very rushed kind of situation to make sure we could get through these shows uh, as quickly as possible and as few takes as possible. So it was Gabe literally on a couch next to us, literally whispering in our ears.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know a lot of uh, stuff back in the day was post-produced, but you did some live, didn't you, or or no? No,
0: I never called live Ring of Honor show ever. Okay, I didn't know Uh, that. In fact, I'll tell you a secret here, too. I may have mentioned this once before. The first Ring of Honor show I ever went to in my life was Respect is Earned, the first pay-per-view. Okay. And, and it was just so we could shoot that stand-up <laughs> for, the, for the show. We did the quick 60-second spot in the crowd, and that was it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. And that was the first time I'd ever been to a Ring of Honor show. Huh. Well, it has to be such a different, I'm trying to think of
1: like what it would be like. And I guess when you're in post-production, is there a sense of, I guess when you're live and you know this from, like you said, you were thrown out there, right. And I had to do a 35 minute match uh, on the scene by yourself. Um, When you're live, you got to get through it because there's no second take when you're doing the announcing in post-production were there chances to be like, if you flub a line to go back and do it again, or was it sort of live on tape?
0: Um, yeah. If, if there was something we missed or whatever, and it was early enough in the match, we would cut and start over, but never if we were through the middle or anything like that in a, in a match, if we just missed a line, we would hit it after the match was over and they would find a spot to insert it. Yeah. But normally it was one take through for the most part. Usually so, if we stop, usually if we stopped, it was because Gabe forgot to tell us something that he wanted used. Um, and it just came to him. And it was early enough that, ho hold, hold, hold on, here's where I want you to go with this. Um, but more often than not, we went straight through one take.
1: Now, since these matches were already, um, had already happened, did you watch the match before you got a chance to call it or were you seeing it for the first
0: time i did not i I would i would watch it fresh for the first time so i didn't want to have any kind of preconceived notions as to what was going on if there were spots that we needed to know um gabe would make sure we were aware of them so we didn't miss it um but other than that no i was watching it for the first time when i called it
1: okay As far as your announcing style goes, were there any announcers, commentators uh, that you grew up watching that you not tried to emulate, but maybe took a little bit from here and there to incorporate into your own style?
0: Yeah, I, I would say I probably stole a little bit from Gordon Soli. Uh, in that I always wanted to be the straight guy. Like I never wanted to be a character. I never wanted to be the guy who was trying to put himself over. I'm here to get the match over. That's it. If, if the, Booker is happy with how I called the match and the boys are happy or the girls are happy with how I put them over. That's all I needed for me. Um, I was never looking to win praise from anybody, but the people I worked for, if they were happy, I was happy. So uh, I tried to keep that straight, real sports feel as much as I could. Um, I'd say probably because so much of the later part of my career was solo uh, announcing, I guess probably there were always comparisons a little bit between me and Joey styles in that, you know, in this era and his era, nobody else did it solo really. Um, But he and I, and even, even really, if you look at us both though, Joey's solo stuff was mostly the TV. He didn't really do any of the pay-per-view solo. I think only one of all the pay-per-views he did were solo. Whereas I have probably done between 60 and 70 if not maybe close to 100 live live solo calls of full shows uh and i know i'll be forever known as not that anybody's going to remember it but i'll remember it no one else is ever going to be uh able to say that they called a live event solo on the wwe network um that's never going to happen again like i'll be the, forever i will be the only person who have ever done that so i think that's kind of cool yeah, that was that was which that was an Evolve show, right? Which which that, one? That was the Evolve 131 show, which was we we build it as the tenth anniversary show where technically it was like the nine and a half anniversary. Oh. Um it would have been the tenth anniversary of Dragon Gate, but Dragon Gate was no more. Evolve started six months later in January, but we used the July date for Historical purposes as the tenth anniversary, just because it made it for a a bigger deal for a network event. I give you a lot of credit because
1: I know how hard that is. I've done some color commentary on some on some shows, and um, you know that that's hard. (laughs) That in and itself, I think is hard. But I can't imagine being out there without a person next to me to sort of bounce things off of. To have to just be the 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 lone voice. God bless you. I mean that 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 (laughs) is a real talent.
0: I appreciate that. It it I kind of took it as a badge of honor in that I was pretty much the only one doing it for a long time and then doing it on probably as big a stage in the Indies anyway as as you could probably do it on. So uh it was kind of a point of pride for me uh after a while and then I think I got to where I was just I figured out kind of my cadence and my rhythm, like when I could rest and when I had to talk and how I could do it and make sure I wasn't blowing out my voice, which <clears throat> not that you could tell now, I feel like I've called like seven shows in a row back to back right now. I'm not in good voice today. I promise I'll be better in July. Um, but yeah, I, I think I really found my rhythm after a while and I, and it became something that I took a lot of pride in doing and uh, it, because it is, it is hard. It's hard and it's hard to do well. Uh, and, and for the most part uh, I think I got a lot of good feedback and people who, who thought I did a good job with it. So that, I, I appreciated that.
1: All right, well, we're going to take our second break here, and then we'll be back with more with former ROH commentator Lenny Leonard right after this.
2: Hi, I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top 5. Join me every Tuesday at 1 PM on social media and youtube.com slash ring of honor for week by week.
1: All right. We are back on the ROH strong podcast. My guest is the former ring of honor commentator and returning, uh, ring of honor commentator, Lenny Leonard. He will be coming back this summer for the ROH women's world title tournament. Uh, let's talk about, and I know this is a really broad question, but You were there ringside, uh, well, you called a lot of matches, uh, a lot of great matches with great competitors back in the day in Ring of Honor. What are some of your favorite moments or most memorable moments that kind of stand out to you? And I guess, you know, there's a long list, but what are the first couple of
0: things that come to mind? Oh, God, there are so many, and, and I am so old that my memory is terrible. But there are, there are a few that stick out. Obviously, anytime there's a title change, those always stick out. So when Nigel uh, won the title from Morishima, I thought that was an amazing night. Um, I thought the first Dragon Gate Six Man at Super Card of Honor uh, was super special to be a part of. The first ladder war at Man Up. I think that's the one thing that I remember most is that I was lucky enough to be a part of so many firsts. Um, all of these things that have come throughout the years really started with a lot of the stuff that I was able to do uh, in Ring of Honor. The first ladder war, like I said, it manned up between uh, the Briscoes and Kevin Steen and El Generico. Uh, the first pay-per-view, Respect is Earned. Um, just being a part of so many firsts was very, very special uh, for me. And to see that now 12 years after I'm gone, um, we're still seeing Super Cards of Honor. We're still seeing uh, Death Before Dishonors. We're still seeing Final Battles Uh, and seeing guys like the Briscoes still there, seeing guys like Homicide coming back, seeing somebody like me coming back and still that there is still a Ring of Honor there to come back to, uh, I think is really, really cool. Uh, And I'm just super excited that I've been able to uh, have been a part of some of those just really super memorable days and times and matches in the history of this company. You mentioned Homicide. He was our guest on
1: the podcast last week. And, uh, you know, we took a walk down memory lane with him. And, and uh, I think if you go to YouTube now, you can see uh, the honor list is some of Homicide's most notorious moments. And uh, we talked about a few of those last week. I'm wondering. Uh, If you recall them yourself, were you were you on commentary for uh, the CM Punk homicide brawl that that sort of ended up inside a strip club? Uh, The infamous (laughs) infamous match with Necro Butcher where there was like uh, 500 chairs thrown into the ring.
0: Were were you there for those? So I I was part of the strip club brawl in the hurricane down here in Florida, that was during the FIP show during the relaunch as part of like that sister promotion I mentioned with ring of honor. And I remember that I wasn't doing commentary yet, but what I did do as ring announcer, since I had to call the winner, I had to follow them from the building into the strip club in case the match ended in the strip club. So I went in there with them while it was all going on and actually went into the DJ booth and was doing play-by-play over the house mic in the, in the strip club while it was going on. And nobody told me to do it. I just did it. I was going (laughs) to say, were you smartened up that the match was going to end up there? No, not a clue. I knew it was false count anywhere and they were going outside the building. That was all I knew. And I just stayed with them. (laughs) It was tremendous. What about the, uh, the chairs incident? I, I'm try- I, I don't have the list in front of me, so I'm trying to remember which show that was, I think was when a- that happened. Because, they, because there was, was a Ring six- hom- I think it was called Ring of Homicide. I'll have to go back and double check. There was also a six-month period where I was not on shows in 2006. Okay. So I blew out, my, uh, I blew out both my Patella tendons. The night we were supposed to do commentary uh, in uh, June, I'll even remember the day. It was June 6, 2006. I was playing softball after work, but before I needed to go and do commentary. I hit a double in the gap to right center. I rounded second. The guy bobbled the ball, and I went to third. I was slowing down 10 feet from the bag and pop, pop, left and then right, patella tendon, blue. Uh, I crawled. <laughs> I crawled five feet. I grabbed third base. I said, timeout, call an ambulance. (laughs) Because I knew knew what happened. Because I had already blown uh, my patella tendon out once before, like seven years earlier. So I knew when it happened, I did it again. And then I did it on both knees. So uh, it was... (laughs) It was pretty It was pretty intense They. It was great once they shot me up with the morphine Before they put me in the ambulance But then I kind of had to call Gabe All doped up on morphine from the hospital And obviously wrestling being wrestling Gabe thought I was bullshit. I'm sorry, I don't know if you can say that on here Gabe thought I was lying Oh wait, you had homicide on No way he didn't curse um, <laughs> <laughs> I had to call Gabe from the hospital And tell him what happened And he didn't believe me Like, he thought I was just trying to get out of doing commentary because, you know, wrestling is wrestling and everybody's trying to work somebody for something. And I had to basically tell him, Gabe, I swear to God, I am calling you from a hospital bed in Clearwater right now. And the doctor is literally staring at x-rays of my knees, which he was about to yell at the nurse for handing him the x-rays upside down. And then he just realized that my knees were on backwards. (laughs) Oh, Jeez. So three, cool. day, three days later, I was in surgery. I was in a, a rehab hospital for two weeks, basically learning how to walk with a walker and uh, how to get up and down stairs and, and, th- and wash myself and all that sort of thing. Uh, and it was six months before I was able to come back because I couldn't drive a car. I couldn't do anything. So
1: was, that a, uh, was that an end to the softball career?
0: It was certainly an end to the softball career. A rather ignominious end at that. I would think so after that.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, so uh, I looked up uh, Ring of Homicide was May 13th, 2006. So that probably was I uh, maybe when you were. Uh,
0: it you may know, have been that week. weekend of that shows be because we because we were usually about one month behind production wise. So that may have been that may have been the shows that I first missed. Well, yeah, go back. If you get a chance,
1: watch that uh, that clip of uh Ring of Homicide on uh, YouTube, uh, Homicide's most notorious moments is crazy. It was just like one chair went in the ring, and then like, Homicide encouraged the fans to uh, throw some chairs in the ring, and they did. And
0: it was literally well, hundreds of chairs in the homicide, ring. Homicide, Homicide was and is always um, has always been a big Terry Funk fan. So I, yep. I do I do remember the clip. I just can't remember if I was calling it or not. <laughs>
1: I'm going to ask you about another uh, really, I guess, uh, infamous moment uh, back in, in Ring of Honor during your time there. Uh, Jay Briscoe being strung upside down uh, by the age of the fall. Were you, were you there for that
0: with the the blood pouring out down onto Jimmy Jacobs in his white suit? I was there for that. That was that man up. That was after, that was the Chicago pay-per-view. Yep. Um, and that was after the match with Steen and Generico uh, where Jimmy and Tyler and uh, Necro and, and Lacey came out. And uh, it was one of the most shocking things at that point in my career I had, I had ever witnessed up close. It was an amazing uh, visual um, and, and seemed to watch kind of play out and, uh, it's also something that in a million years could never be replicated uh, for a hundred different reasons, uh, most, most good ones. Mm. Um, uh, but for its time, it was, it was certainly something that got people talking, uh, which was definitely the intent of, of what Gabe and, and Jimmy and, and them were going for. But uh, looking back on it, certainly uh, an ill-advised angle, but a memorable one.
1: Uh, yes, on both counts. <laughs> yes, ill-advised, but yes, something that anyone who saw it back in the day will never forget. That's that's for darn sure. Uh, <laughs> you always know something's up when when the heel, or, or it could be the baby, when, whenever anybody's wearing white, kind of a kind of a clue that might be some color. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a giveaway. Uh, let me ask you about the wrestler, uh, the movie, because again, this was the this was around your time. Uh, in Ring of Honor,
0: uh, were you around for the filming of The Wrestler at all? So here's the funny thing. I I ended up in the movie, but not because of any filming that was done at the ROH shows when they were doing it. So I got a call, and Prazak got a call um, from Evan Ginsberg, who was helping produce the movie uh, for Darren Aronofsky on the wrestling side, and they wanted play-by-play guys to come in and just record lines that they were going to use at various points during uh during the movie no real instructions or directions or anything they they sent me a plane ticket they said i'll pay you 500 bucks we're going to fly you in and fly you back home the same day it's going to be one day a few hours work and then you're gone i'm like 500 bucks sold i'm in and i'm from new york so i was able to kind of work in a uh dinner with my family on the way home before it was over so that's great i'm like yeah i'm in so we basically just sat around this loft in brooklyn uh after we met darren the director sat there for hours it was me pray zach ultramantis black and kevin kelly who i had never met before just sitting in this room eating pizza and just shooting the breeze for hours so then they finally called me and Kevin back together. And I would assume, I was assuming they were going to have me and Dave, but they switched it up. It was me and Kevin going back there together. And they had us just calling matches over, um, they were like YouTube matches. And they would just do the commentary as if uh, you're calling a Randy the Ram match against so and so. So we kind of did two or three of those. Then they gave me just some individual lines to kind of hit, like ring announcing and things like that. And they're like, all right, go back and sit outside and we'll get back to you in a minute. Half hour, maybe 45 minutes goes by and Darren Aronofsky brings me back and he says, hey, have you ever done any acting before? And I'm like, no, never. He's like, you want to try something? Just kind of reading some lines. I'm like, sure, no problem. He's like, all right, here's the scene. Mickey Rourke has a heart, Mickey Rourke's character has a heart attack. He's supposed to go do this um, wrestling autograph show and you're the promoter he's on the phone with. I'm like, okay. And he's like, just read the lines. So we ran through them a few times and he's like, Oh, that was great. Thank you so much. And I didn't think anything of it. And then it turns out that that scene they used in the movie uh, after Randy, the Ram has the heart attack, he's like under this bridge and he's on a pay phone and he's talking to this promoter and it's me on the other end of the phone. It's like super muffled. And if I didn't tell you, it was me, you wouldn't know it was me, but it- None of the play by play stuff I shot got used. That's the piece they used.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's a great story. So did and you was, you didn't get any kind of credit, did you, on the film or 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 we,
0: we did. We we were in the we were in the credits as well. Yeah. They did it. They asked me if I wanted my real name or or Lenny Leonard. And I unfortunately made the unwise choice of doing it as Lenny Leonard. I should have just used my own name because <laughs> it was the only time I was ever going to be in an Oscar nominated movie. And I used the name that somebody thinks the Simpsons character is. so. <laughs> wow. So I wonder, so are you on imdb.com? Can I look you up? I I've never looked, so I don't know.
2: <laughs> Honestly, I don't.
0: you've never looked. I swear. I don't Google myself. I don't. Uh, well, that's, Sounds a little weird. I don't, I've never looked up myself on Google. I've never done, I don't, I, I he, and here's the thing. I've always kind of joked for a long time that I am the most out of the business in the business person you're ever going to meet. Like wrestling has never consumed my whole being. It's something that I love and it's something I think I've gotten good at doing, but it's never been my whole identity. And I think that's because I never had to count on it to pay my bills. Yeah. So I've always been able to kind of keep, uh, for lack of a better term, I'm very much like George Costanza. I keep my worlds apart.
1: <laughs> well, that's a good thing. That is definitely a good thing um, as far as this business is concerned because I think a lot of people will tell you, yes, you can get consumed by it. Uh, it's, we all get bit by the wrestling bug. Uh, but for some people, um, yeah, they just get a little like, – I don't know what other way to put it other than they get too consumed. And that's not a healthy thing so it is good that you love it you get to work in it but it's not your be all it's not your be all and end all doesn't mean you don't love the business it just means you're going to be all right no matter what happens and i think that's a you know that's a good thing doesn't mean you're not passionate about it or anything like that but
0: uh you know you got your feet on the ground that's a good thing it is it's intoxicating it is very much uh, an adrenaline rush in a lot of ways it's very easy to get lost in it if, if you let yourself or if you don't have something that kind of tethers you uh, to the ground. And I'm fortunate in that my wife and my kids, they could not care less about any of this. Yeah, mine are the same. Like, Isn't that something? They, my kids yeah, that. They, they, don't, they don't watch it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear my stories. Nothing. So it's something that I go do. And that I have outside of here. And when I'm home, I'm a guy that works at a bank. It's just, I I don't get to be Lenny Leonard at home ever.
1: Well, you raised a good point there too, about, um, I just wanted to ask you this, like wrestling today. Um, like I said, we're about the same age. Uh, we've been fans obviously for a long, long time. I never thought I'd be one of those guys. And a lot of my friends over the years, you know, dropped out of it. It's not cool anymore oh, I'll get back into it during the Monday Night Wars, and now I'm not into it again. I was always constant. I was always the one guy in my circle of friends or whatever that always watched, never missed. And I never thought I'd be one of those quote-unquote lapsed fans. I am now that, that guy. I'm that guy, that, the get-off-my-lawn guy, right, that I call him. I, except for Ring of Honor, uh, I don't watch anything else. I have no desire to watch any, anything else. I haven't for a couple of years now. Um, except for New Japan, uh, how about you? I mean, without you know, we're not trying to disparage any other companies or anything like that. But as a guy now, you know, your age, you've been into this for a long, long time. Do you still enjoy it? Do you still watch as much as you can, or is it not that much of a uh, of a of a factor in
0: your life at this point? I think I cherry pick what I watch a lot more now than I used to. Where I used to be a ravenous consumer. Yeah. of wrestling like I didn't care what it was I would watch all of it and I look back at my early 20s when I first moved down here to Florida for good after college and we were lucky that Saturday mornings and afternoons here we got a block of wrestling from all over so I got um w- I, in a six hour period I was able to watch um WWF WCW, ECW, Smoky Mountain, and USWA back to back. Wow! <laughs> I would literally have to go through a six-hour tape every Saturday to make sure I didn't miss anything, and then I would have it all watched before the next week, and then rinse, repeat. Um, but as I got older, and you know, you get other responsibilities and things, kind of get it get in the way, and then that's where I even kind of talked about earlier. I haven't watched my own stuff, let alone other stuff that's out there. I haven't watched. Half, I, I would say I probably have not watched back two thirds of the stuff that I've called in my life. Like I may have gone back and seen bits and pieces, but whole shows, whole matches here and there, nope. I just I don't have that kind of bandwidth anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I, I have a fairly time-consuming regular job, and I'm very much someone who tries to compartmentalize things, and that you know this is my time for this, and this is my time for that. And I try not to cross the streams. So now I'm very much a cherry picker when it comes to what I watch. And most of what I watch will not be live. It's after it's happened and I've heard something good. And my friends say, hey, did you see this? You need to watch. And then I'll go back and try and find it uh, and, and watch that way. I, I, I very rarely will have a, an entire show or a live. Uh, well, now you can pretty much look at any night of the week now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Friday. Uh, for live wrestling uh, on television. I may have it on in the background while I'm doing other things, but uh, I don't have three hours on a Monday to sit and watch Raw every week. I just don't. When Homicide
1: was on last week, this is another thing I want to bring up. Uh, and actually when Joe Koff was on about a month ago, I uh, talked about a potential Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. And that's something that's been talked about. And Joe said, you know, next year it'll be the 20th anniversary Maybe that's time to really uh, think about it. When I had Homicide on last week, I asked him, you know, who would be your first ballot uh, Ring of Honor Hall of Fame if there were to be one? So I'll ask you the same question. Uh, If you had, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but if there was a a first ballot Hall of Fame Ring of Honor, uh, who in your mind would be on it? How many can I put in? Well, let's see.
0: Homicide gave us four. So let's stick with his number of four. Homicide, Joe Punk, and Brian first four slam dunk. Wow, there's not, there's no thought even required there. That's 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 why I asked because I knew if it was four, I wasn't even going to have to hesitate.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Homicide
0: didn't put himself on the first ballot, but he said, "You know what? I better be well,
1: on the second, <laughs> I better be on the I,
0: second ballot." It's I I, I, be, I believe that about D. He's uh he's very self deprecating and yes, um, he is he is not one to toot his own horn. Um, And I think Eddie Kingston uh, has tooted it long and hard for all of us from New York who would say uh, there is only one King of New York and it's homicide. And until he hangs it up, he will always be the King Uh, because in one way, shape or form, he, he did help touch and mold every independent wrestler that came out of New York in the last 20 years. So he, he would never give himself that kind of credit. Uh, but to this day, and I've known him for 20 years, I still call him Champ when I see him. Like, I don't ever say, hey, high side, hey, homicide, hey, D. I was like, hey, Champ. Every time I see him, and it doesn't matter how long it's been in between times I've seen him. That's the way he gets greeted every time. Yeah, it's so great to
1: see him back in Ring of Honor on the scene. I mean, really, it's been seven years. He's back. It's, uh, it's awesome. So many great memories with him back in the day, and uh, see him back now with the current – you know, interacting with the current uh, roster and uh, and so many guys that he's never worked with before. It's uh, it's exciting. You know, it really is. All right. Well, let's take our final break. And then when we come back, we're going to play 10 questions with Lenny Leonard.
0: Experience the show that's thrilling critics and fans. ROH TV. The reviews are in. It's completely different than anything in pro wrestling. I enjoyed every minute of this show. ROH TV delivers. Valiant Saint Rays Take my money. This was awesome. Join the ROH stars for the Hashtag Watch ROH Watch Party every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific.
2: How do I watch ROH TV? Start by visiting rohrustling.com and using our zip code lookup tool to find your local listings. We aren't in your area, don't worry. You can catch us on digital channels such as Stadium and Stir City as well as Fight.TV. ROH TV also airs every Monday night at 7 PM Eastern on Best on the Planet, our newly launched 24-7 streaming channel, which is available on Stir and Plex. The newest episode of ROH TV is always free on ROHwrestling.com and the Ring of Honor app. Ring of Honor has never been easier to watch. All right,
1: we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Lenny Leonard. Uh, as we've said, uh, commentator and Ring of Honor back in the day, ring announcer, and coming back this summer to call the Ring of Honor Women's World Title Tournament. Lenny, are you up for playing a little game that we call 10 Questions?
0: Absolutely. And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, let's go. What's ten? What's ten more at this point?
1: <laughs> exactly. That's what when, when I had Shane Helms on the show, that's what he said. He goes, "You just asked me a bunch of questions. Now you're gonna ask me ten more." But these are these are special questions. So, question number one: What's something on your bucket list?
0: Hmm. That's a good one because I did. I, I've never been somebody who had a bucket list, which, and this is weird to say in that I never expected to be in wrestling, so I never created any goals for myself. I I always was the kind of person that just in the back of my mind, one day this is all going to be over, so I'm going to take whatever comes my way and just be happy with whatever it is, which uh, I've been pretty fortunate in that if I were ever to have created a list, I probably did get just about everything you could put on it, other than i would say because i'm from new york uh madison square garden that would be the one thing that's missing all right question number and 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 that and and that was something that someone in ring of honor and i'll 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 put him over because i love the kid ian riccobani tried to make that happen he he did try to get me a spot even a little one on the ring of honor show there was just no way to make it work, unfortunately, uh, at the time. But it wasn't for lack of effort, and that's one of the many reasons that uh, I will always put Riccoboni over to anybody who asks, and I'll even put him over if you don't ask, <laughs> because he because he didn't have to do that. Right. Absolutely. And and he and he did try. So that and 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 I never even thought about asking. He did it on his own, which is why he's the best. All right. Question number two.
1: What is your most embarrassing moment in pro wrestling?
0: Oh, God. So here's a funny story, and it was kind of partially told on an old ROH shoot interview DVD. So I screwed up a ring announcement that kind of gave away a surprise that Gabe had booked later in a show for FIP. Now, bear in mind that there were 14 people in this crowd. And it was a show that was being shot for DVD release that could have very easily been edited. Uh, but when it happened, and this was back, and Gabe and I laugh about it now, but uh, this was back in the old days temper tantrum, Gabe. Uh, and you would have thought I just blew the finish to the G1 Supercard in Madison Square Garden in front of 19,000 people uh, when there were 14 people in a bar in the middle of nowhere in Florida. And Gabe goes ballistic backstage. He's throw, he threw a, a billiard ball against the wall that ricocheted and almost hit three people. <laughs> he goes up to Samoa Joe and says, I want you to go out there and just kick his ass right now. Choke him out in front of everyone, is what he told Joe to do. And I was already embarrassed because I knew I blew it. Um, and then I hear the story told back to me later. Joe obviously does not come out and do anything um, but then Gabe lights me up backstage, which I deserve. Um, and I kind of like just muddle through the rest of the show with my tail between my legs. Ron Nemi and the Shane twins were booked on that show, and they were backstage when this happened. And they're my boys; like they started me. And the Shane twins, for those of you who don't know, are six foot three, three hundred pound, identical twins. Right. And uh, used to be the Gemini in WWE. Mike Mike Shane looks at Ron Neme and without even flinching, apparently says, if Joe takes one step towards that curtain, we're going to murder everyone in this locker room. (laughs) (laughs) And at that point, the FIP roster was Samoa Joe and a bunch of 150 pound guys. And CM Punk was about 180 at that point. Um, So it wouldn't have been a difficult task had they decided to do that. But fortunately, Joe and Punk were just kind of laughing about it and Gabe being Gabe and nothing kind of ever came of it. But uh, it was a funny story when I got that relayed back to me after the show.
1: Yeah, that's 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 one of the best stories I've heard. That's pretty good. <laughs> Joe,
0: go kill that
1: guy. Wow. Joe's going to kill you. I mean, that's that was the chant. It almost yeah. happened. Yeah, almost. Fortunately, Joe likes me, so we're good. Yeah, yeah. All right, question number three. If you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure past or present, who would it be?
0: John Lennon. That's a good one. John Lennon. He uh, he lived a very interesting life. And I, there, there's just so many different things to talk about. Like, not just the height of his fame with the Beatles but his activism um, you know what was going through your mind when you saw that gun on December 8th 1980 like just so many questions yeah Nixon putting him on like the CIA watch list
1: great all kinds of stuff yeah All right. question number four have you ever had a paranormal experience and if not do you believe
0: in its existence I have not and I don't Okay. And I don't not know if of, that makes me good or the, bad.
1: Not a big fan of the Ghost Hunter shows, huh? No, not at all. It's not my bag. All right, question number five
0: What's something that's popular that you don't see the appeal of? Oh my God, I'm a 49 year old man. There's pretty much everything that's popular now, I don't see the appeal of. <laughs> so what we starting, right? I'll start and end with TikTok, though. That's the low hanging fruit.
1: It is. It's, and,
0: and I asked that question
1: on a lot of these 10 questions. TikTok has been the most popular answer of what's popular that you don't get. So you're in good company on that. A lot of people have said that. And I'm with you. It, I don't get it either.
0: In fairness, I don't think i meant to get it. So it's okay. It's not like it, it doesn't make me angry, but yeah. it's like I see my kids with it. And I'm like, I just I don't get it. Whatever. Just knock yourself out.
1: Yeah. It's not geared towards us. As you said, we're not supposed to get it. So I guess that's a good thing. It's like like Facebook, right? Everybody liked it. And then once older people like us started liking it, then the kids said, oh, it's not cool anymore. Probably be the same thing with TikTok. If we start liking it, then it's not cool. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Question number six. What's the last TV show that you binge watched? Or if you're binge watching one now, what is it?
0: Oh goodness. Um so I'm terrible with like new television. Although I, I am I, I did just finish um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And okay. I did and I did watch WandaVision and I like both of them a lot. Um so I, I would say those two are probably the most recent, but I don't watch a ton of new TV. If I if I've got the TV on, it's usually either gonna be a rerun of something old to kind of let I have on in the background while I'm going to sleep or uh, a game of some sort either the Yankees, the Rangers or somebody are on the TV. Yeah,
1: boy, we're, we're more alike than, uh, than I knew before this conversation started. It's pretty <laughs> much the same way. I watch old stuff and uh, you know, and I watch sports and, and ring of honor kind of it.
0: And... Well, Although I will say like something new that I love that I've watched repeatedly is I'm a big, a big letter Kenny Mark. Okay, it's a Canadian show that's absolutely hilarious
1: on Hulu. Okay, I was going to say you you totally went over. I have no idea who that is. I don't know if that makes me out of touch, but (laughs) I I can't comment on that one because
0: I they they do have a couple of wrestling ties uh, to the to some of the people on the show. That's kind of how I found out about it. Was um, some folks in wrestling loved it, and they ended up using them in the show a bit like their names and things and it kind of but it is really really funny trust me I would I would recommend it I'm gonna write that what is it called again I'm gonna write this down letter Kenny okay. alright I'm gonna check that out it, it's basically a town of 5,000 people in Canada there are three groups and it kind of focuses on those three groups you've got the the Hicks which are like the rednecks and the farmers the hockey players and the skins who are like the meth heads <laughs> and it's and it's the three of them kind of their lives intersecting and hilarity ensues. Okay.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to check it out on your recommendation. All right. Question number seven. Well, this is a little variation of a question I, I usually ask, which is I usually say, who was your celebrity crush growing up? But since you're a wrestling guy like I am, I will say, uh, who was your wrestling crush back in the day?
0: Oh, wrestling crush back in the day Um, personality wise I always liked Missy Hyatt a lot Uh, and more so now that I've gotten to kind of know her a bit after my time in wrestling Uh, one of the and for a woman who made her career almost exclusively due to her looks uh, and physical traits one of the one of the sharpest minds for wrestling uh, that I've ever had the opportunity to talk to uh, about the business with. So uh, M- Missy was a big crush of mine when I was younger. I uh, hope I'm not embarrassing her now that we're kind of friendly. Um, and you could never go wrong loving Trish Stratus. Okay.
1: See, I would have bet anything you would have said Miss Elizabeth. I
0: figured anybody of our age would have said probably Miss Elizabeth growing up. But. didn't talk and didn't have a personality that was the thing like she was yeah. just there like I, I thought she was beautiful um but like she didn't really ever get to express a personality much um so i it never really kind of stuck with me although i was i was there for the wedding at SummerSlam. Uh, And Madison Square Garden, I was actually working in the garden uh, selling concessions. At least that's what I was supposed to be doing while I was watching the whole show. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the great angles that didn't happen in front of the crowd.
1: I mean, yes, you kept waiting as you're watching that SummerSlam. Okay, I know, you know, it's a wrestling wedding. Something's going to happen. It never does. You didn't find out, if I recall correctly, till the next week on TV, what happened at the reception, which was one of my favorite angles of all time. The, the, the snake coming out of Correct. the coming out of the box, and that that was one of the great angles of all time. But it, it seemed like it ended like with a happy ending, right at the wedding. Yeah, yeah, which never happens. It's never happens. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Missy Hyatt would be my answer as well. Uh, but I never uh, got to know Missy personally, so for me, as a uh, as a young male, um, it strictly was uh, her physical assets. I'm not ashamed to say that. That was back in the day, you know but I'm sure she does have the sharp mind that you, that you say she does. I just wasn't aware of it back then, nor did I care back then. Fair. (laughs) All right. Question number eight. Uh, What's a subject you'd
0: like to know more about? Cryptocurrency. Hmm. That's a big thing. I, I, I work for the largest bank in America. And it, it seems that it's a product that would run contrary to the interests of my business. But on the other hand, if there's a way that my company could make money off of it, I'm sure we're going to find a way to do it. Uh, I just don't know that we found that yet. And it's also out of my area of expertise uh, within, within the banking industry. So I would, I would like to know more about that because I am a neophyte to say the least.
1: All right, question number nine. What's the best piece of advice you've been given about the wrestling business and who gave it to you?
0: Oh, God. Um, I, I don't know that it's one person, but it's something that I've heard often. And that's just be coachable. And I think that's something that doesn't just apply to wrestling. I think it applies to anything in life, and I—it's—it's it's the one thing that I try to just drum into my children is that if you're coachable, no boss will ever give up on you without really giving you every opportunity to succeed. Um, if you're if you're able to accept criticism constructively. And then use it and then show that you learn something from it. That goes a lot further, I think, than just natural talent and ability. Um, because I, I don't want to waste time with somebody who doesn't want to learn or who thinks they already know all the answers. And I know I've had bosses in multiple businesses that have been the same way. So I would say be coachable uh, is, a, is a huge one.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. There's no question about that. You're doing a disservice to yourself uh, if you think you know everything and that you have nothing to learn. No matter how accomplished you may be at your job, you can always uh, learn new things. No question about that. All right, we've come to the final question, question number 10. Uh, You mentioned earlier that you're a big sports fan. I know that you're a New York guy, so you're you're a New York Yankees fan. Uh, But I want to ask your objective opinion. Uh, Who do you think will win the American League East this year?
0: Objectively, I think the Red Sox are going to win the division. Hmm. I, I, I think they were really missing something last year uh, when they had to cut loose Cora, uh, and I think bringing him back was a was a good move. Um, they're just they just seem like a different team, and the Yankees just continue. To seem to be a team that's just missing something, and I don't know what it is, um, but I don't know that they have enough uh, to get it done. And maybe they win the division, but I don't, I don't know if they have enough to do more than that. And I and I wish I could say different differently, but I, I think the Red Sox somehow find a way to go wire to wire. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I still think the uh, the Yankees have the best roster and i think they'll end up winning it pains me to say because i'm a baltimore guy i'm a huge orioles fan i don't think we're winning the the division this year for sure but i think we're going in the right direction i think in a couple
0: years you guys might want to look out for the orioles if they could just start by getting glaber torres out once in a while (laughs) baby
1: steps Uh, exactly exactly all right, this is going to be question 10A because I got it since we're talking baseball and I know Bobby Cruz will be listening to this. And when we had Bobby on the show, he and I got into a debate about Dwight Evans. So this
0: is he's not an- a Hall of Famer. Thank
1: you. Thank thank you.
0: Yes. It's not it's not the Hall of very good. It's exactly what I told him. Exactly what I told him. And I he love was, Bobby. And hey. I knew I knew exactly where you were going before you even got there. I love Bobby. He's not a Hall of Famer. He is a very very good baseball player, but he's not a Hall of Famer. Exactly. That's, that's what I said. I mean, back in the day, like um, he was never even the best player on the team, you know, it was always you, Joe Rice or Fred Lynn. or. That know. was literally going to be the next words out of my mouth. You can't be a Hall of Famer when you're not even the best player on your own team. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I'm glad we're in agreement on that.
1: Uh, 100%. Sorry, Bobby. I still love you. <laughs> yeah, we love you, Bobby. Just You're just dead wrong on that. Uh, before we let you go, uh, social media—are you—are you active? Is there any
0: place uh, people can can follow you? You're on Twitter. Or... I am on Twitter at WWN Lenny Leonard, but I'm probably gonna have to change that because I don't really do too much WWN stuff anymore. Which was the World Wrestling Network is the parent company of Evolve, Dragon Gate, uh, FIP, and Shine. So there's not really a whole lot there that I'm doing. I'm just too lazy to change the handle. So it may stick, it may not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't okay. just use Lenny Leonard because it's the Simpsons character. And uh, you'd be amazed how – like, I. here's the one good thing about the name. I couldn't vanity search myself if I wanted to because nothing but Simpsons references come up if I try that's to look. True. So it's good. So I I can't even find the mean things that people are saying about me on the internet, which is wonderful for me um, because, yeah. And, and that's another Ron Neamy, uh thing I can blame for getting me involved in wrestling. He also couldn't remember – my shoot last name so he just said lenny leonard and it stuck um because they already had an eddie edwards and a richie rich so why not a lenny leonard on top of it in the same company um and so i'm now besaddled with that word uh, with that name for the rest of my life okay so you didn't even come up with that moniker yourself you oh god no i've never watched an episode of the simpsons in my life okay wow not one it was your homage to the simpsons (laughs) no it was it was Ron Nemi's uh, aversion to well, I'll just leave Ron Nemi out of us. It was just uh, <laughs> it, it was Ron's just inability to remember my name in a drunken haze. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, well, Lenny, uh, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, man, I, like I said, I love talking about the uh, the old days of Ring of Honor, which you know you were there for so many great memories and uh, and you're coming back. once again, remind everybody that uh, the women's world title tournament, Starts this summer, and Lenny Leonard will be calling the action along with Ian and Caprice. So, uh, man, welcome back, and uh,
0: man, I can't wait to uh, listen to you guys calling some great action. Same here. I am very excited. Uh, like I said, women's wrestling is a, a special place in my heart, and this is going to be a great summer. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited.
1: All right, and I want to thank everybody out there for listening and uh, remind you that a new episode of the RH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHwrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHwrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin Eck saying, stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.